Hello and welcome back to Control-Alt-Delete. This is an old episode. I'm playing a replay today with Sarah Tasker. She's a photographer, writer, business coach and author and she left her NHS job around six or seven years ago now to take a leap into the unknown to turn her passion for the internet into a business. That business has now turned into a six-figure business where she gets to work from home and be creative and set her own parameters. And I've always enjoyed talking to Sarah about how she creates that flexibility for her work. She has a podcast called Hashtag Authentic that has now turned into a book of the same name, which is out now with so many incredible pieces of advice on how to grow and build your own online platform and be creative with specific tips on Instagram. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. I always learn so much from Sarah, especially as I am hopeless with Instagram. So hope you get something from this one and enjoy the walk down memory lane. Welcome, Sarah Tasker, to my podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited you interviewed me for your amazing podcast, Hashtag Authentic, and it was only right to do it. But I wanted to wait because you have a very special thing coming out soon. I do, I do. I have my little baby, my book coming out next month. And it is beautiful. We're going to talk a lot about that. But before we do, for anyone that has been hiding under a rock for the last however many years, do you mind just doing a tiny kind of in a nutshell of where you were and where you are now because I think your story is so interesting I mean to the point where you know the Daily Mail etc have loved telling your story because it is just so amazing so yeah five six years ago nearly now I was working for the NHS I'd been there for about coming up for 10 years I started when I was a student and I worked in speech therapy loved it didn't pay very well so I was always in debt always struggling to get by and then I got pregnant and went on maternity leave And I was stuck at home with a baby kind of feeling um, I was lacking creativity. I was lacking community because I wasn't really getting out of the house very often. So I found Instagram and previous to that, I think I'd had it on my phone. I looked the other day and I'd I'd made an account in 2011, but I don't think until that maternity leave, I hadn't quite realized it was a social network. I was just using it to put horrible filters on my pictures. <laughs> um, so started to kind of talk to people, started to share my day on there. And it really, really quickly grew. So I got featured by Instagram and I was like attracting this audience. So in the January, my um, ambition for the year was to get to a thousand followers. By the April, I'd already got to 35,000 and mm. it just kind of exploded. So now it's my whole job. My husband works for me as well. He was able to quit his job and I do some consulting. I teach courses. I have a podcast um, and I have a book coming out next month. So so amazing. Was that weird at the beginning? Because I know you're used to it now, but kind of suddenly amassing quite a large audience, kind of by accident. What was that like at the beginning? Yeah, there was a real sense of stage fright of kind of, I know everyone's everyone's looking now. And because when you first start out, and that's one of the blessings of something like Instagram, when you first start out, no one's looking and you kind of get to screw up and you get to experiment. And it felt like maybe that had gone. But actually, the thing about Instagram in particular, I think is it's a really, really warm community. So I kind of, my solution has always been if I'm feeling vulnerable, if I'm feeling scared, to talk to my community about those feelings because they're the best people to kind of help me through it and help me see that it's going to be fine. And it was. Yeah, because your your style and just the way you are on Instagram is so unique. And I know it's a post by you. I don't need to see your your name above it. You know, I just know it's yours. 
did did that grow over time or have you always had this sense of style? I think it probably has grown over time in the sense that I feel like you spend like the first 20, 30 years of your life being told how to drown out who you really are. So you go to school and you kind of learn how to be like everybody else and play by the rules and um, how to fit in. And I think what happened to me when I was on maternity leave and when my business kind of first started was it was the first time I was tapping back into actually who am I and what what's all the stuff that I've been burying for so long that I actually really feel like I need to find a home for. And do you think that's why actually quite a few people on Instagram who are starting businesses are new parents? Like, do you think there's a correlation there? I kind of think there is. I've thought about this a lot because for me, it really felt like, and it's kind of a cliche, but becoming a mum, like I was reborn in the sense that everything changed me. So first of all, labor was, for me, it was like, it felt like I was dying. So sorry to anyone who's not gone through that yet. Your your experience, I'm sure, will be different. But it felt like I was dying. So for me, like on a, on a really base level, my body had been through a near-death experience. I was fine. But it changes you, I think. And so then I was kind of plunged into this world of like, well, who am I? And, and what's my daughter going to grow up knowing about me? And who do I want to be? And what are my priorities? And something about that whole combination of things coming all at once changed my perspective and I think what really changed for me was I started giving myself permission to put a little bit of myself first Mm. previously I'd never done that and it was me going actually this matters to me going onto Instagram once a day and posting a picture is important enough to me it doesn't matter what anyone else in my life thinks it's important enough to me to carve out the time for it and as soon as I started doing that it was like the magic happened Mm. because it's you time getting to be just you yeah and and I think especially for women we're very good at never doing that. Like everyone else's needs can come first. And we're so busy kind of people pleasing and trying to make sure we're meeting everyone else's expectations. So this was a thing where I said, I don't really care about anyone else's expectations. This is purely for me. Yeah. Because with Instagram, obviously it's your bread and butter. You know everything about it. And I mean, I slide into your DMs being like, what is this? <laughs> what shall I do? Why am I losing like a hundred followers a day? But um it still has a stigma, I think, around Instagram, especially to maybe, maybe this is generalizing, but maybe an older generation who just think, oh, you're sitting on Instagram and like millennials are obsessed with themselves and blah, blah, blah. And you're none of those things. Like you're not in any way the Instagram stereotype. I don't even know if that exists, but how have you managed to carve out this very authentic path, do you think? You know, it is a job and it's a really good one. Yeah, I feel like it was part just blind luck of stumbling across it. And I guess part of kind of, I am super nerdy about all this stuff. So, and I always have been like way back pre MySpace, pre any social media, I would be on bulletin boards. And I can remember even them being like, oh, I noticed that like if people talk about things that are more personal, they make more friendships and kind of always analyzing how as humans we communicate through that barrier of a screen and and what works and what doesn't. So I think it was a combination of kind of all the things being in the right place for me with Instagram. I was like, this is, this uses all of my superpowers. It uses like my need to communicate and find community, but it also uses my weird nerdy obsession with like, how do we communicate online and what works and what doesn't and how can I kind of build something from that yeah and because I love that stuff as well like analytics and being geeking out on like algorithms and like what works how do you maintain that balance between being like obsessively nerdy about things and not freaking out if for example you do lose a follower or something I think yeah big picture stuff is really important and 
for me, that's why it's always had to be kind of about both. It's had to be about building self-belief and building a better knowledge of myself and how I work, as well as kind of building this audience. Because I think it's very, very easy to fall into the trap of using your audience for validation and using those numbers for validation. And actually it can be a great prop to get you started if you feel like there's nobody in the world that believes in you and then 10 people tell you a picture is good that can be a hugely empowering thing Mm. but you have to get to a point where you're able to post it regardless of whether those 10 people like it or not or those 100 people like it or not you're very positive about the internet as well because you just used the word empowering and I think that is exactly what it is I mean we talk about this all the time new careers new directions but also um you because you have I mean, I don't know what the right word for it, but you do have a health condition or? Yeah, yeah. So I have a chronic health condition called dysautonomia. No one's ever heard of it. Um, But it means things like I'm super tired. I have to spend a lot of time lying on my sofa. And so yeah, the internet for me is like, it's a door to all the parts of the world that actually are really hard for me to access. Mm. And so like, sometimes I get with a panic when you see everyone going, well, my new year's resolution, I'm going to be online less, going to take a social media break. Cause I'm like, don't leave me. Cause I can't come and meet you at the pub every week. So I need you, I need yeah. you guys to be this online. This is my pub. Yeah, this yeah. is my pub. It's my like high profile networking events in London. It's my like sitting at my desk, slugging it out, doing overtime. It's everything and it's all on my phone. And I think it's given me that advantage in some ways that a lot of the time there's not much else for me to do because I'm stuck in bed, but I can always be on my phone and I can always be kind of communicating with my community. Yeah, I I don't think people talk about this enough because whenever I talk about flexible working, I feel like the stereotype is I'm just wanting to be some millennial on my laptop on a beach. Yeah, in my bikini, just like hashtag digital nomad. But actually the people who have sick parents or have a sick child or have a chronic illness or have mental health problems like they're the people that need flexible working or totally like freedom I've said before I really think the way my health is now I'd probably be on benefits if I didn't have my business like I don't know how I could have continued to do my old job the way my health has kind of deteriorated since I had my child and Instead, I've got this like hugely profitable profitable business that employs other people that contributes. I've just paid like a huge tax bill. I'm contributing to society. And I think it's a really important message to get out there because you think, you see the idea of starting your own business and you, all the language we use around it about hustle and grit, it all sounds like something you can't do if you've got adversity in your life. And pretty much everyone's got adversity in their life. So it sounds like something that you're not gonna be able to do. But for a lot of people, I really think, flexible working using the internet is the best way into work and I think it's a real crime that we're not kind of getting that message out to everybody that leads us neatly on to talking about money which I love that you do and I think it needs to be spoken about more, obviously, if someone is comfortable doing so. But I remember a tweet you did, might have been a few years ago now, maybe last year. But you basically, you know, revealed your how much you've made in a year. And it was like, high, high, high six figures. And all of the responses I noticed as well were very positive and so supportive and just very. And I was just feeling like so proud of you as well, because you re- you are you you really are showing that you don't have to have that 24/7 hustle 
Yes. And you can make things work. And yeah, I just think it's amazing. Well, it, it still blows my mind. And I think that's where I'm sharing it from is this place of like, guys, did you know, did you know this was possible? Because I didn't know it was possible. And kind of like, why did nobody tell us? Like, I always think, I've always thought of business as kind of being that very, it belongs to the patriarchy, doesn't it? Like it's men in suits and offices, it's hustle, it's long hours, it's aggressive sales, it's all of those things. And actually what I found when I kind of accidentally started my own business is there are other ways and the other ways work just as well. You don't have to compromise like your principles or who you are. And I feel like it's kind of a really well-kept secret. So a lot of what I do is about just trying to share that because not everybody needs or wants to make like six figures and that's fine. If all you need to do is make like 20 grand so that you can leave that day job that you really hate and start your own little craft business. I really hope that seeing how much other people are making gets the message out that it's possible that, you know, anyone can do it. And also I think there's a huge issue with convincing the other people in our life that we can do it. And until we start to see people talking about how much money they're making online and talking about how it actually is a valid career choice, it's really hard to take that leap without everybody else on board with you. Yeah. And you speak amazingly about that I heard you I think on the on the podcast you do with Jen Carrington and um you were talking about you know how some people didn't really believe in you at the beginning and I feel like it's even more impressive actually when people do do what they want because it can be really hard when other people just think oh don't bother doing that totally actually like I would say that's probably the number one problem for the people who come and take my classes is that there's somebody in their life usually a partner who is telling them it's not real, like it's not, don't take this seriously, kind of always playing it down. And that was definitely real in my life. Um, It takes self-belief and I wouldn't have said I was someone who had a great deal of self-belief then, but I think you can reach a point where the risk of not trying is greater than the risk of taking the leap. Mm. And you've just taken a new leap in a new direction with the book. This is a really cliche question, but I just wanted to ask it, but, Obviously, you have all these other projects. You are making this money. You're doing amazing things. Why a book? Oh, that's a good question, actually. Um, I think it was about feeling legitimate. I think it was about walking into a bunch of Waterstones and seeing my book with my name on it and what that meant for me. But also there was a part like my classes, because I have to pay myself and I pay an assistant. And obviously, there's a kind of a commitment of time and work there. So they're more expensive and they're not accessible to everybody so the book felt like a way to kind of get my message out and to get these lessons out hopefully to kind of everybody at any budget so that it could kind of reach a wider audience Mm, yes and and I think that is totally the the way the thing that books do it reaches this outside audience people that might not be on Instagram for example sort of more democratic and I really kind I really wanted this to be an audiobook for the same reason because I actually think not everybody's able to sit down and read a book because of their life or because of health conditions or whatever else. Um, but my publishers are not sure if it's going to work as an audio book, so, which I completely get. But I think you'll understand this as a podcaster, like there's a power in communicating through audio that can be quite different to the written word. Yeah. And people know your voice now from the podcast. True. Yeah. But I mean, they know, they know more about audio books than I do. So <laughs> what's been your best part of putting the book together? Oh, has there been a good part? (laughs) It is a labor of love, isn't it, though? I think it's an important thing to say because 
although books are really shiny and really amazing and they look brilliant on the shelf so much work so much work and what i hadn't really anticipated is how much resistance internal resistance i would feel um because like i said to you earlier i'm like i writing an e-course is a lot like writing a book because it's the same amount it's probably the same word count the same amount of depth that goes into it but writing an e-course has always felt much more comfortable to me and I think that's because you can edit it at any time you can go back Mm. in and go oh actually the way I said that was confusing everybody I'll change it um you can't do that with the book once it's out there I mean I guess you could change future editions but basically it's done and it's on the shelves and that for some reason for me really stirred up a lot of self-doubt a lot of resistance a lot of hesitation and there was an awful lot of me just sat at my desk staring at the screen getting nothing written for a long time but I you know that was really valuable because it's taught me an awful lot like anything like that is a really great opportunity to kind of explore what is going on in the back of your head and and hopefully move past it so I feel like the whole process of writing the book has been a real growth time Mm. for me that is super interesting because I I had the same because obviously my book came from a blog yeah and it was just this idea of like it being a media I could edit it I could change it and you know there's parts of my book that I would totally go back and change now there are parts of the book I wish I'd never put in and there's people that are in the book that I don't feel the same way about yeah and it's just in some way it allowed me to learn how to let go and be like it is what it is and it's out in the world now and maybe there's kind of a beauty in that because it's a snapshot it's a real snapshot of everything you thought at that time yeah at that time and, exactly yeah. and that temptation online to always edit I don't know if it's always a good thing because maybe we're losing that that genuine authenticity of now and then yeah because you'll be able to look back on this book in years to come and it is a snapshot and even if I cringe hopefully <laughs> yeah. hopefully I won't what are you hoping the main thing is that people get from the book is it that they might believe in themselves a bit more they might start something new they might have a better Instagram what's the main do you think I hope it makes things feel possible that's all I really want is that people feel like actually this is for people like me someone messaged me yesterday actually because I posted a bit about my health on Instagram and she said it really helped her because she always feels like the only people she sees being successful have got like perfect lives and 5,000 pound cameras and she was like you know it it doesn't seem like it happens for people like me but it does everybody is just the same as each other it's just I guess that some of us are hiding parts of our lives better online and so I hope that you can pick up this book and feel like there's there's a way there's a path through this for me for everybody and actually it's really important that we have more diversity and more different voices making up that big picture yeah and I think that's why your voice is so brilliant and very authentic because you're not saying I've done all this stuff and here's my success story and oh it's the end shiny big the end it's like it's ongoing isn't it yeah and you still are open about things that go wrong and yeah and and it's like it still feels kind of ridiculous to me like I still I I tweeted the other day like my tax bill was three times my old NHS salary and like there is a moment when I love paying my taxes I really celebrate that I can pay my taxes but there is a moment of terror when you have to hand that money over and you're like maybe I need this like my my perspective hasn't really changed even though my life absolutely has Mm, I don't think there's enough people as well talking about how having more money in a way can make things more stressful or or it can what's the more money more problems thing (laughs) (laughs) but and, and I'm not for any people listening right now saying like oh boo hoo it's so horrible having money but 
it's just interesting it's an interesting shift if you've never had it before yeah it's been like a lot of work in my own mindset because I still have a lot of guilt if I spend money on things I mean most most of my earnings just just sit in various bank accounts because I I guess I didn't get into this to make money that was never my motivation so I never really had a plan for what I was going to do if I did Um, but I think it's very interesting how being profitable automatically means you're taken more seriously by certain parts of kind of the old establishment and I said earlier but whenever I've been sending out press releases to try and kind of get journalists interested in my book if I slip in how much I earned last year I know I'm much more likely to get a reply and I think that that's interesting Mm, that is interesting but I think it's important to talk about it and it's not in any way humble brag it's just I'm the same I want to say by the way, to, to anyone out there who like undervalues themselves or, or doesn't yeah. charge or does things for free, there's money to be made yeah. and go out there and try and take it. Knowing your self-worth, like that was a huge one for me. The amount of work I did for free or for way under what I should have done when I was first starting out because of all that money guilt, because of who am I to make good money? And I think if you've been brought up kind of working class, there is kind of a stigma around people with money and I'd always sort of thought people with a certain income were almost the enemy, like were the problem. And so then when you're faced with actually, have I just become the problem? And it's been a real kind of journey for me to realize the way we change the world, like money is still power. So we need more people who think like we do and see kind of the whole picture. We need more people like us to have power. That's the way we're going to change the world right now. Mm. So if everybody who buys my book goes out and makes themselves a great living, then brilliant. Think about what we'll all be able to do together. So true. One last money question, and yeah. then I'll ask you my final question. But do you think anyone has changed towards you now that you have, you know, publicly it's known as well that you do make a lot of money? That's an interesting question. Because um, I listened to Liz Gilbert on a podcast once. She wrote Eat, Pray, Love. And she basically said that it's amazing the amount of people that kind of asked her for favours and like kind of she she really learned the hard way actually with, you know, boundaries. Yeah, I mean, boundaries work has been like my mission for the last year. I th- I do think it's different. Like I, I think there's a point where people feel like you've earned it and they allow you to have it and feel like it's legitimately yours versus a certain amount and it's a bit like lottery winners people or people who win the lottery always say like you you get everyone comes out of the woodwork with a sob story and they want some of that money because they feel like you didn't earn it they feel like it wasn't really yours right in the first place and I think there's a tipping point where you can earn too much for people to feel like you deserve it or you've earned it and that's when those requests or those kind of favors start to come in and what was interesting is when I posted about it on Twitter like you said the the reception was overwhelmingly positive like I I gained like hundreds of followers because people saw it and thought positive things which really surprised me because it felt super vulnerable god that must have been so scary publishing that yeah I think I'd had a gin I don't (laughs) think I would have done it otherwise but then so then I was like okay well I'll talk about this on Instagram because it's obviously starting conversations and then again it was still overwhelmingly positive but there was some negativity on Instagram and that was the first time I'd experienced it and it really was quite interesting to kind of go away and think about what that meant. Also, how interesting, I wouldn't have chosen Instagram to be the negative over Twitter. (laughs) Right, so what was going on there? I don't know, like it's a fun one to analyse if you've got a nerdy brain, but I'm not sure I can quite get to the bottom of why. Yeah. Well, thank you for being so honest about it because actually I I find it really inspiring and 
makes me want to be more open as well uh, yeah i hope we get to a point where we can just talk because i don't think men have this problem of like talking about what they're earning or how they're using their money it does feel specifically or worse for women anyway yeah definitely so um it's 2019 still feels new <laughs> what what are you excited about coming up can be book related can be personal Ooh. anything I'm really excited about some book events I'm going to be doing. So it's taking the podcast for some live recordings on the road um, and just meeting people, Yeah, which is always really nice because it's as much as I love the digital world and those connections, it's it's something else to take it to the real world. Um, I'm actually excited about my next book. I've already got an idea for my next book. Have you already started yours? Yeah. She's nodding. Yeah, yeah, nodding. yeah, I am. <laughs> um, it's kind of addictive. It's like I've put myself through all this pain and I kind of want to do it again. <laughs> yeah, well, you learn so much as well, don't you? So now I'm like, oh, okay. So yeah, I've got a lot of ideas kind of swirling around and it feels like I've not got the time at the moment to get them down. But I love that that place when you have got more ideas than time for me is like the magic zone. Oh, that's so good. You just need ideas floating around at all times, I feel like in this job because it's yeah. like you're spinning plates. So it's like... You don't want to be, yeah, I think the worst is when you're you're kind of racking your brains of what to do. Totally. And that's when you stop and then that's when it feels like it's all going to fall away. Yeah. So momentum is a good thing. Oh, that's so exciting. Well, thank you so much for such an interesting episode and everyone go buy Sarah's book. Thank you for having me. Thank you.